Welcome to the Running Explained podcast. I'm your host, Elizabeth. I'm a marathoner, coach, and answer seeker. When I first started running at the age of 29, I had so many questions and what felt like nowhere to turn to for answers. And now I'm here to answer all your running questions about anything that you might want to know. If you're a new runner or you've been doing this for a long time, there's always something more to learn about running. So let's get started. Hey guys, welcome to the show. Excited to have you here. Can't believe it's almost already the end of February, but time really is flying this year. So if you are currently starting in the middle or ending a training cycle for a race, I hope that it's going extremely well. I just wanted to update you on some of the things that are happening around the Running Explained world, most notably the release of the Training Plus programs. Training Plus is another option I am really excited to offer to runners now who are super interested in learning more about race-specific training for their training cycle, but aren't really interested in the commitment of one-on-one coaching and maybe not even the bi-weekly calls of group coaching. So Training Plus is five and a half hours of educational modules with downloads and slides and worksheets and calculators. It is 13 different topics you're going to learn about in training for your race, either the marathon or the half marathon, two different options available. Training Plus is available for both. You get a training plan, you get the Heart Rate Zones Masterclass, and you also get a 30-minute coaching consult with me to touch base and have any of your individual questions answered. If you register through the end of February, you actually get an extra 30-minute consult. So two 30-minute consults with me in addition to training plan, masterclass, and all of that good, good education. So this is an option I know that a lot of runners are, are kind of hesitant to work maybe more in depth with a coach, even in a group coaching experience, right? That's a big commitment to show up every other week and um, maybe not, it's not something that you're necessarily interested in, but you do want to learn more and have your most effective training cycle and you're hopefully one of your most successful races so far. Training Plus might be a great option for you. So you can find that on my website, runningexplained.co slash training plus. To this week's guest, I am super excited to welcome back to the show, registered dietitian Stephanie Natchuk. Stephanie, Steph has been uh, a guest on the show previously on episode season one and in season two. The episodes that she's been on have been pretty popular with you guys, which is why she's coming back. Her first episode was we talked about weight loss for runners. If you know anything about this show, you know that the episode is probably not the what you expected it to be. It's not how to lose weight. It's discussing the topic of weight loss when you're an endurance athlete. And the second time she was on the guest show last year, we talked about body composition for runners. And that was an episode that I know resonated with a ton of you in a really specific and hopefully positive way. This day, today, (laughs) this season, she is back for a discussion about nutrition with regards to injury prevention and injury recovery. Now, we're not saying that through proper nutrition you can prevent all injuries, but we are saying that nutrition plays a vital role in injury prevention, and there are also certain things you should and can do nutritionally when you are injured to aid in your recovery process. Whether it's a minor injury or a major injury, our nutrition does play a role in how our recovery proceeds. So please welcome Steph, the runner's dietitian, Steph Natchik, back to the show. Steph Natchik, welcome back to the show. So excited to see you again. Thank you so much for having me again. Always a pleasure. So a three-peat guest, if somebody has missed both of your uh, both your episodes, one from season one, one from season two, give us a brief intro. Who the heck are you and uh, why are you here today? 
Yeah, so my name is Stephanie Natchuk. Uh, Steph, the runner's dietitian, is what I like to go by because I do not have the easiest last name in the world to spell or pronounce or find online. And so, of course, I'm a registered dietitian who specializes in sport performance. Specifically, you know, I love to work with and help runners understand their fueling requirements, understand how to eat and train to perform better. And of course, like you'll hear in our conversation today, really optimize and, um, you know, speed up their recovery so that they can do more and and so that they can reach kind of that full performance potential. So today we're talking about nutrition in the context of injury. So injury prevention. I know that's kind of like a loaded way to describe it. Injury when, you know, the role that nutrition can play in recovering from injury. Um, but, and I've said this before and I'll say it again. So often when runners were, you know, we're running along and we're kind of just like doing our own thing. And then, uh, something happens that then requires us to seek like your professional advice. And a lot of times that thing is an injury, right? So runners will run through almost everything, whether or not they should, until they're incapable of running and then say, oh, maybe I do need some help. Um, Just in your experience, how much of the work that you do is around injury, injury prevention, injury recovery, that sort of work with nutrition? Yeah, I think it is. And and I love to think about this whole process and, you know, these puzzle pieces that we're putting together for people as being like a circle, you know, in nature, right? We have to look at the fueling, we have to look at the training, we have to look at the recovery. And it's this ongoing cycle of needing to fuel our bodies, needing to do the training, needing the recovery time that involves and includes fueling and then going back to the training. And the vast majority of the runners that I work with have some history of injury, you know, some reason that they, they believe that they're not reaching their full potential because of this history with these injuries. And they want to, again, kind of put all those pieces together and figure all of it out. And I think that if we could really spread and share that message of nutrition and the value of nutrition for preventing some of these injuries in the first place, and really being part of our daily recovery practices to help us stop getting injured or, you know, getting these major injuries in the first place, we could make such a difference in the longevity and, and sort of the sustainability of a lot of runners careers. It's not to say that like, if you dial in your nutrition, you'll never get injured. Like that's not the point of this. Nobody can say that, um, running injuries are complex. They're multifactorial. There are many risk factors that, you know, can put you at risk for certain types of injuries, but there is some pretty clear research on some relationships between running injuries and other things that we may or may not be doing. Um, what have you found in the research that you know of that relates to running injuries and nutrition? Yeah. So, I mean, a couple really major ones are going to be like under fueling or low energy availability, which then leads to relative energy deficiency in sport or what we often will call reds and just simply not eating enough to support your training, not eating enough to support the volume or the intensity of the work that you're doing, and then also fuel the recovery time in between, right? The actual rebuilding and repairing of those damaged tissues and restoring muscle glycogen and giving your brain the fuel that it needs, as well as the nutrients, like the antioxidant nutrients that we need in order to fuel that recovery. You know, not getting enough of all of that in the background 
really sets us up for poor recovery in between workout sessions, which over time accumulates into some of these overuse injuries that we see. And then of course, on the acute side of things, we know that we're at higher risk for more acute injuries. If we are underfueled, you know, for example, we're running into things like low blood sugar while we're out on a run, like trips, falls, sprains, rolling an ankle, all that kind of stuff. Uh, as well as dehydration. You know, when we're dehydrated, we're also putting ourselves at higher risk of injury. And again, that can lead to a lot more mental fatigue, loss of coordination, and some of those things that can make it easy to just, you know, have an unfortunate trip and fall, which, you know, if, if as, as we'll talk about as we go through this conversation into more of those types of small things becoming big chronic things, if we're not taking our nutrition into consideration. I found in the runners that I've talked to, and, and every time I say, you know, obviously this is anecdotal, but at this point, like my entire job is just to talk to runners like all day, every day. So I talked to a lot of runners in the past couple of years is that when I talk to a runner who has a stated history of injury, not just like, oh, you know, my plantar fascia is a little tweaky sometimes. And like that one time I rolled my ankle runners who have a serious documented history of like recurring injuries, whether they're the same injury that keeps happening over and over again, or especially history of stress fractures, or they just seem to be like constantly injured. Like they'll, they'll get injured, they'll recover and get injured again, just like kind of nonstop is that they typically like nutrition is the last thing that they go to on their list of what's causing this. Like they'll be like, oh, it's the training. I'm not running my easy days easy enough. Oh, I put it, took too many hills, you know, put too many hills in or took, you know, did this or, oh, you know, they, they don't often, you know, thinking about this pattern, like the, maybe I'm not eating enough or not prioritizing my nutritional needs in the right, in the right way. Like that is, that's not even on the list of things that they're thinking about. They just have this story in their head. They're like, I'm just an injury prone runner. That's my life. That's my lot in life. Right. And so to see that and be like, have you, have you talked to a dietitian? You know, that seems kind of like for people who are injury prone and you haven't addressed nutrition, like get, get some hope into your life. Maybe you aren't as injury prone as you thought. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, like I, I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast here, the many, many runners that I work with, I mean, the vast majority of runners that I work with definitely have that history of injury as, you know, something on their list that they, they know has been holding them back and they understand has been holding them back. And then when they start to go through some of, of my content, it's like, oh yeah, I'm not eating enough. Like that's, that's instantly the first big take home message that a lot of people get. And it's because when we're injured, the first thing that so many runners want to do is cut their calories right down, right? Stop eating because we dramatically underestimate the nutrition that we need just to keep us alive and healthy and functioning day to day. And then I think on the flip side of that, we tend to overestimate how much energy we need for the daily workouts and the training that we're doing. We think that all the calories and all the fuel and all the nutrients we need is just directly linked to how much running we're doing or how much work we're putting in. We're not really cognizant of the fact that the majority of the calories and nutrients that we need each day is just keeping us alive, just keeping everything running in the background. I think there's this really insidious messaging. I've talked about something similar on the show before. In the two episodes that you've done, we did a whole episode on weight loss. We did a whole episode on body composition is that the messaging about calories in, calories out, and that somehow, especially for for women, but for I think, you know, kind of people in general, that we should be striving for like 
net in, net out, like it's always beneficial to exercise more and to eat less that when you go for a run and you're burning calories, like don't eat those calories back. Like you burned those off. They're gone forever. Like good riddance as this, as this negative calories are bad. Energy is bad. Food is bad. um, Less is better. And that type of thinking like is going to lead you straight down into a rabbit hole of being a very unhappy injured runner. (laughs) Well, exactly. And you know, there's, there's that whole eat less, move more mindset that I just think keeps people stuck for so much longer than it needs to. And when we're looking at being healthy, um, strong, sustainable, happy runners, right? Runners who, who enjoy running for decades, um, of our lives and, and are able to do it until we're very, very old. Um, there needs to be this shift in mindset around food and how we think about food and how we relate to food to not just see it as food equals calories, calories equal weight gain. Therefore, fewer calories is always my goal, but instead understanding and going deeper with our nutrition to say, well, no, I need these, these nutrients and I need these fuel sources to help my body feel better, function better, recover faster, you know, perform better. And along that same vein of of sort of this, like calories in calories out, eat less, move more and, and all of that narrative. I think there's also this really big message out there in the fitness world that we should be striving for a very high level of soreness and pain after workouts. And and so to your point about people not even really registering that their nutrition might be part of the problem is that they we, we feel or we're sort of told to feel that being very, very sore after a hard workout is like a good sign. That means you did a lot. That means you did good quality work. The more sore you are, the better. And, and we know that that is absolutely not true. That is not the case at all. And proper nutrition can really help with some of these, you know, these aspects of, of delayed muscle soreness and, you know, again, kind of optimizing that recovery recovery, which really opens up our capacity to be more consistent with the training that we want to do to allow us to not need, um, you know, to be doing that muscle soreness on top of muscle soreness problem that a lot of runners can get into. Yeah. I think a lot of runners are surprised. And I, you know, a couple of runners that I work with, um, you know, they'll put notes in, in their training about like, I was really sore today. And I'll look back and be like, you shouldn't have been sore. Like, what the past couple of days, what you're, whatever you were doing should not have caused you soreness. And for me, that's a red flag, right? Like, Hey, t- text you. How are you doing? What's going on? How are you feeling? How's your sleep? How's your nutrition? Did you stay hydrated? Right? Because you know, like you, yeah, from, from a professional standpoint, like our job is not to hurt you. Our job in un, unexplained, inexplicable, persistent or chronic muscle soreness is a bad thing. Like it's not <laughs> the goal of training. Goal of training is not to exactly. hurt you. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. And if we see that someone is consistently very sore after workouts and then is trying to train through that, of course, then that's what we're going to see, you know, changes in things like running mechanics and changes in gait to kind of offload those sore muscles. We see more stiffness. And then, you know, if we're looking at like overall risk of injury, then here we go. That's definitely a fast track. And it's one of those areas that doesn't feel like this sort of straight A to B that our mind would go in terms of what the solution is, but it's amazing how much better nutrition can lead to just better workout quality. And then of course, better recovery for those people who are really struggling with with soreness on an ongoing consistent basis 
I want to talk about some of the most, let's say, common errors in training nutrition that you see that could lead someone to, you know, increase their risk of injury or at least increase their risk risk of just not feeling very good. Um, And then I definitely want to talk about what to do if you are injured from a nutritional standpoint after that. Yeah. And and I think the big one is that there's this, you know, really big fear of weight gain if we are not kind of continuing to maintain a specific volume of training. So a lot of runners get themselves into a mindset where it's, I have to do a certain amount of activity. I have to take this many steps. I have to run this many miles per week because if I don't, then we're going to, you know, I'm afraid of what's going to happen with the scale. And so people train through things that they have no business training through and should not be training through because there's this fear. And so when we can shift our mindset and and the way that we think about food and nutrition and what it can do for you, that really can make all the difference to provide that support and that encouragement to kind of start on a foundation of quality nutrition and quality eating. The other big mistake is that when we do get injured, the initial kind of knee-jerk reaction is to cut a bunch of calories, cut all of our carbs out, like, you know, just go down to a very bare bones diet. And not only does this prolong the injury process and, and takes us longer to recover and can contribute to more chronic issues, but in that initial stage of an injury, we actually have an increase in our metabolic rate, not a decrease. So yes, you're not doing all of this volume of training that you are doing, but the increased metabolism and the increased needs that your body has from helping you to recover and and to heal from that injury, um, it may mean that your nutrition needs are unchanged from what you were requiring before in, in terms of calories. When we are in that under eating, under fueling setting because of this injury process, we see an accelerated loss of muscle. So we're losing muscle and we're losing strength far more rapidly than we would if if we were just fueling our bodies correctly during this time. So then not only when we are getting kind of back into that rehab phase and and we're getting back into, into being able to train again, there's this rush to get back to what we were doing before, right? You know, we take a week off and then we're right back to what we were doing, not realizing that now we have to maybe rebuild some of, some of that muscle that we lost along the way. Yeah. You kind of, you, you know, you are trying to recover and in doing so you actually ended up in a worse spot than if you just consistently fueled during your injury rehab process, which sucks. Yeah, <laughs> like, don't make absolutely. it harder on yourself. Absolutely. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. I mean, injuries are, you know, the worst to begin with, right? They're, they're definitely one of the things that are the hardest mentally and physically to overcome. And when we prolong that process or make it even harder on ourselves than it needs to be, I mean, that can just be devastating to someone's longevity in the sport of running and and for them to even be able to continue to want to do this. What I think is really interesting is the more recent research about um, carbohydrate restriction and its impact on relative energy deficiency in sport. I don't know if you've seen some of the more, yeah, yeah, good. The more recent research on this. And um, I think, you know, kind of part of my mission in life is not only to get people slid on their easy runs, but to get them to eat the carbs that they need to fuel their training. And that, especially for women, but for men too, there is a lot of messaging around carbs bad, protein good, protein shake good, banana bad. You know, we're talking about somebody says, but I do, I do fuel after my run, I have a protein shake. 
or I will, you know, eat slightly, eat like an avocado before my run. And that, um, and you as a nutrition professional can sp- probably speak more to this, but that even if you are eating an adequate energy um, intake, basically if you're eating enough overall calories, if your carbohydrate intake is low, that could still contribute to REDS, which is fascinating. Exactly, exactly. And I mean, you know, carbs are one of my favorite topics and of course, favorite things in life. So I'm right I'm right there with you with, you know, our, our main goals here is to try and get runners to eat more of them. And that's, that's exactly correct is that, you know, we have to look beyond just calories and of course, eating enough total energy is important because if we're not getting enough total calories in, it doesn't really matter where those calories are coming from. It's just simply not enough. But the next step to that kind of the second piece of it that we want to be thinking about is what is the distribution of these macronutrients in our diet? So the three macronutrients are our carbs, our fat and our protein and then alcohol. But I mean, those should be pretty minor in terms of percentages for, for most of us, but uh, you know, so we kind of, (laughs) please do not feel your, or your recovery or your recovery with alcohol. Don't do that either. Um, but we, you know, we focus on these three primary macronutrients And so we need to look at the distribution there because what we need to fuel a run and to fuel that recovery, um, if we're just really focused on high, high protein or really high fat focused diets and we're missing out on those carbs or, you know, kind of as an adjunct to that, if we are eating carbs, but our fiber intake is really, really high because we're getting all of our carbs from like you know, basically vegetables that have a very high kind of fiber to carb ratio. Again, on paper, you know, if we kind of look at at those numbers, we think, oh yeah, okay, you know, calories look okay and, and total carbohydrate grams look okay. But once you factor in how much fiber that individual is getting, then we can see that maybe the carbohydrate availability is not that good. So there's some kind of, we have to look a little bit deeper sometimes for people who are really struggling in this area. And that would seem we've we've had conversations on the show before about orthorexia, about clean eating, about this kind of kind of virtue signaling about different types of food. And that for an athlete who is very conscious of eating whole, unprocessed, especially plant-based diets, like they're probably getting a whole crap ton of fiber. And then so you turn around and say, you know, are you getting enough carbohydrate? Yes, but if it's coming from a whole bunch of cabbage and kale and lentils, right? It comes along with a whole bunch of fiber. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, you know, if we if we see someone who's maybe, you know, let's say for an example, throw out a number, getting 300 grams of carbohydrates per day, but along with that, there's 100 grams of fiber, which would not be unreasonable for someone on a whole food plant-based type diet, then you kind of have to factor that in to how many grams of carbohydrates are actually available for you, for your brain. You know, we know the brain requires 130 grams of carbohydrates every day. And when we take that away from what now the muscles have available to fuel, you know, 300 grams, that doesn't sound too bad. But once you drop that down to maybe only having like 70 grams available for, um, you know, training or, and all the other demands that our body has, you know, yeah, you know what, we, we need a lot more than that. I want to talk about injury. Um, and I, for people who have come into this episode and are injured, currently injured on the back end of an injury, think they might be injured. Um, when some of the times the first, our knee jerk reaction is to blame ourselves and to get angry with ourselves, right? 
to say, oh my God, I can't believe that, you know, I got injured. What's wrong with me? There's something like I'm defective, right? Kind of wherever you are in your coping process with injury. And just, this is not an episode on like therapizing, you know, your, your injury. But if you are injured, the only thing you can do right now is focus on recovering effectively from that injury, right? And then maybe figure out ways to make sure it doesn't happen again. Um, blaming yourself, beating yourself up, self-flagellating, you know, that is really detrimental to not only just how you feel emotionally as a person, but to your actual injury recovery. Um, and so, you know, and I see that a lot of people like, oh, I got injured. And then like this, the finger pointing at themselves starts and it's just, it sucks. I'm not saying that being injured doesn't suck, but getting angry with yourself is not going to help the process move any faster. Yeah. And and we can see two things happen here is, you know, for some people, this is where they get really, really focused on what they sort of consider to be like perfect nutrition. So again, we're going low calorie, we're going certainly low carb, we're not eating anything extra, you know, we're being really, really careful uh, about, you know, wanting to avoid weight gain. And, you know, that's kind of what some people do. And then others, it's that when we get injured and we can't run, our motivation to keep up and maintain any aspects of a healthy, balanced lifestyle, maybe go a little bit to the wayside. And now we're seeing just, you know, lesser quality food choices as a whole, which also can kind of detract from that injury recovery in its own way, right? If now maybe we're not fueling with enough protein, we're not getting in the plant foods that do have really key nutrients that are involved in helping to reduce inflammation and promote healing and, you know, support immune system function during this time, you know, we need to kind of find that middle ground of not panicking and, you know, trying to either, you know, stay really, really perfect with our eating because there is absolutely no such thing as the perfect diet. But then on the other side, we don't want to get so down in the dumps mentally because we can't run and because we have this injury that we're maybe not using nutrition to its full potential to help us get back to running more quickly. For runners who have a history of disordered eating, it seems like injury is a really tricky time to deal with their relationship with food, especially if running has been a part of their eating disorder recovery or is is part of just their healthy lifestyle. Absolutely. And, you know, the great thing and and maybe the the positive message that I want to share and, you know, kind of promote here is that our body's nutrition needs and and our our requirement for nutrition and for fuel is even more important during this time. And so we don't have to get into restrictive eating behaviors. We certainly don't want to get into restrictive eating behaviors when we have an injury. We can continue to have a balanced approach to our eating. We can continue to get in lots of different foods that give us a wide variety of different nutrients. But we do know that there are specific nutrients that, of course, help with day-to-day recovery, you know, just on an ongoing basis are things that are going to promote that recovery and and that healing in our muscles and and reduce inflammation. But then those become even more key when we are injured. And so I want, you know, people to understand that it's not about having to go on to a a more restrictive eating pattern, having to cut out foods or, or go on a diet. It's your same balanced 
running diet. It's the same kind of fuel that you're getting. It just might be more of certain things. And then, you know, a little bit less in terms of not needing maybe gels or sports drinks because you're not doing the same volume that you would be otherwise. You know, we talk a lot about, oh, having to be careful of, of extra calories and sugar and, and stuff like that. And it's often for a lot of people is as simple as we're just not using that intra run fuel. So we just don't need the fast carbohydrates and those fast sugars in that scenario. This is not about taking away all of the fun foods that we might have throughout the week. But again, there's a lot of nuance there and some mixed messaging that people can get. Is that very common that you, for people, you know, to get injured and then to immediately like shut down and restrict and say, and I don't even, when you talk about this stuff, it doesn't have to be conscious. I think that so much of what we do in in this space can be subconscious about like, well, of course I'm going from 40 miles a week to zero. Of course I should be eating less because I, because I'm not running, right? Um, and that without even thinking about it, you're like, yeah, that makes sense, I guess. But <laughs> but that's that's not true, right? It's just what we've been told. <laughs> exactly. And it comes down to that idea that you have to eat a certain or you have to earn your food right? You have to burn the calories first, and then you get to eat second as a reward for doing the work and putting in the training. So again, you know, we, a lot of people are, are doing a lot of fasted running these days. And I think the number one thing that I work on with the runners that I see is to get them thinking about fueling up before they train. So rather than it being that I'm going to do the run, then I get to eat back the calories that I burned. We want to be going into those workouts already well fueled. And we are fueling up for our next workout while we're recovering from the previous one. And we're just integrating our training and our nutrition into this ongoing you know, daily routine that we have rather than it being about how many miles can I run this morning? Therefore, this is what I get to eat later in the day. And I think that trade-off is where people think, well, if I'm not running, then I, I really shouldn't be able to eat anything. I shouldn't need fuel at all. But our resting metabolism, our body's requirement for nutrition and fuel on an ongoing basis with absolutely zero exercise whatsoever is actually the majority of the calories that we need in a day. The majority of the fuel and the nutrients that we require as human beings just to keep us alive is just everything that goes on to make those background processes happen, right? That's our brain function and our heart beating and our digestion. You know, all of these things are just part of that resting metabolism. And unless you're running, you know, 15 miles or, or, you know, 20 miles in a day, your resting metabolism is still the vast majority of your fuel needs on a daily basis. And that I think is, is a concept that a lot of people don't really understand, um, that how much energy it takes just to keep the lights on and that, you know, being in an injury rehab or process. And I see this a lot too, is that a runner will get injured and they say, well, I can't run, but I'm going to go to the gym and cross train so I can keep burning calories. Like, oh, I shouldn't run, but I'll be on the elliptical or I'll be in the pool or I'll be swimming. And like, yes, it's activity is likely going to be part of your rehab, right? Cross training is a great way to maintain some aerobic fitness, right? But it's not, it, it really is about shifting the mindset away from I am doing this to burn calories versus I am doing this with a specific adaptation of my fitness in my long-term goal in mind. Two completely yeah. different ways of looking at the same elliptical session. Exactly. And, you know, you imagine the runner who is injured and they're not able to run 
And so instead of running for an hour every day, now they're going and doing a intense cross training session every day. They are maybe prolonging their recovery and their return to running, especially in an underfueling environment where rather than it being maybe, I don't know, a week, 10 days, 14 days that they're not able to run. I'm not a physiotherapist, <laughs> but whatever length of time they're not able to run for now, maybe it's going to be like several more weeks on top of that, or, or maybe they're going to have a really hard time building back up their ability to run because they're trying to burn all the calories over here. When the focus that we want our body to have is going to be on that rehab, the recovery and the healing. Um, for, let's say <clears throat> online people who are, um, seem to be constantly injured. I think it's really important. And I've gotten this question a couple times recently about the role that quote unquote influencers play in the running community. And, I, you know, I think it's important to remember that we're all people who are trying to do our best. I don't know anybody in the running space who is like intentionally trying to mislead people. But I think there's a lot of really um, there's a lot of weird stuff out there that people will do on Instagram or on TikTok or wherever to 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 get become liked. Right. To maintain their status. And one of those things seems to be running through or running despite injury and then displaying a repeated pattern of injuries. I'm like, I'm not a doctor. I'm not here to armchair diagnose. But when I see somebody with three stress fractures in two years, every red flag in my coach brain is going up. (laughs) And as a nutritionist, as a dietitian, I'm sure that it must be very, um, I want to say probably just like sad for you to see some of those behaviors and patterns as well. Well, absolutely. And, and it's so hard to watch when, you know, as we know, there are, we know that a, a big chunk of athletes are under fueling. I mean, the research consistently supports that, especially for endurance athletes and especially for female endurance athletes, the risk of under fueling can be quite high. And so it's fairly safe to say that nutrition is playing a role in a lot of what we're seeing from certain individuals. And so, yeah, it is really difficult when you know that there are probably some fairly simple, I mean, things that are, are simple are not always easy to implement, but, but fairly simple kind of solutions in terms of meeting basic nutrient requirements, getting in enough energy, getting in enough protein, getting in enough of key nutrients like vitamin D, omega-3s, calcium, you know, antioxidant nutrients like vitamin A or vitamin C. When we know that there are specific things that can really expedite this process and really help with this process, um, yeah, it's really hard to watch when people are consistently dealing with it because, you know, no one wants to have an injury and it makes it really challenging to continue to improve and, and, you know, kind of reach our goals as runners. And, you know, I, I certainly don't think that anyone would prolong that for any kind of like internet clout or, or kind of to be uh, gaining more attention online. I think that people really do want solutions to these things. It's just hard to know where to look when so much of the information we get is not appropriate and especially not appropriate for runners. Yeah. And, and I think it's one of those things where you don't really know what's going on behind the scenes. Like, you know, 
if one person has shared that they are injured and their timeline was four weeks, you know, until they're running again, and you feel like you have a similar injury, you are a different person from them, right? So your rehab path should be your own. And I know that can get really tricky sometimes when we look at these kind of more esoteric or more rare injuries, um, like, you know, the stuff that like nobody's, you know, wow, that's a really obscure one, but it does happen. You start connecting with the, a couple people who have a very similar injury that, you know, what they did, if they were back running within 10 days, you know, that may not be your path. And likewise, if somebody's injury took six months to rehab, you know, it might not take you that long. So I think when we, when we are in this place, we find ourselves injured. I think it's really important that we kind of, and this is super hard for runners because we love to be in control. We throw out the expectation of the timeline and just say, I'm going to do everything that I can to recover in the best possible way day by day. That's really all you can do. Well, exactly. And, you know, we want to ensure that we are putting our time and energy and our focus on the right things and, you know, be putting that intention into the rehab and the nutrition and the rest, right? It's also sometimes just about taking, taking that time to rest and let our bodies do what they naturally do when we give it the space and the tools to heal. Um, And when we see kind of what everyone else is out there doing, I mean, I know personally, you know, for the amount of racing that I do, which is, you know, a few a year, every weekend, everyone's posting all of their pictures all over the world, right, of of all the medals that they're getting. And it definitely gives you a little bit of of FOMO, even though we're looking at this global running community. Of course, there's a race somewhere happening every single weekend, but it, it can almost give you this cumulative panic that you're not doing enough, that you're not racing enough, that you're not kind of posting enough about getting, getting your medals and and getting your rewards just because you're sort of exposed to everyone's highlight reel as runners. Yeah, that's a tough one. I think for a lot of people to understand, it's not, it's not reality. It's Instagram. (laughs) It's TikTok. Um, I want to talk about bone health, uh, Mm -hmm. because this is so important and, it's not it's not to say that like we said at the beginning of the episode this is not to say that nutrition is going to prevent every injury that if you nail your nutrition you will never get injured it's not the point here but there's a huge role that nutrition can play in supporting your healthy body um knowing how important bone health is not just for runners but like for humans what are some nutritional things that we can do to support our bone health whether our bones are currently in tip top shape or maybe need some love. Yeah. So the two major key nutrients that are involved in bone health, I mean, the first is going to be calcium, right? Because calcium is what makes up the hard part of our bones and also our teeth um, as well. But that that's kind of the main nutrient there. Now, the trouble with just calcium on its own is that we need vitamin D, which then upregulates the absorption and the proper utilization of calcium in our body. So a lot of times some of these bone health issues, whether it's, you know, stress fractures or we're getting into like osteopenia, osteoporosis, you know, these, these low bone density issues is not, not necessarily only the issue of someone not getting enough calcium in their diet, but also what's happening with our vitamin D levels. And 
vitamin D is such an interesting nutrient because it plays a role in supporting normal immune system function. It also plays a role in supporting that daily recovery. So it has an anti-inflammatory role where it's just part of helping our bodies recover on an ongoing basis from exercise. So it's really important for runners to be getting enough vitamin D and, and maintaining those ideal vitamin D levels. But then of course, vitamin D is really key for helping us to use and absorb calcium and to make sure that our bones stay strong as a result. So we have to be kind of ticking off a couple of boxes, you know, to, to make sure that we're doing everything we can for, for bone health. And, you know, we see a lot of people who are running into issues with stress fractures or, you know, even just something as simple as tripping and falling and and breaking something, right? You know, again, like you said, we can never guarantee that we're not going to get an injury at some point, but if we are having ongoing issues or we've had bone scans that show low bone density, you know, especially if we're talking about, um, female runners that are getting into the perimenopause or menopausal phase of life, we know that there can be a significant loss of bone mass during that time. Runners who are pregnant also need to be really mindful of getting in enough calcium to support all of their increased nutrient needs. And so we want to be thinking about, you know, all of these aspects from the vitamin and mineral standpoint, but then also overall energy availability, because when we are not getting in enough total calories and we're not getting in enough protein to support the bone remodeling processes, and we're not getting in enough calories as a whole, that can also be a detriment to our bone health and our bone density. So when we're seeing issues with, with bone health and with people having uh, low bone mass or stress fractures or anything like that, you know, we want to be thinking about total energy. Are we getting enough as a whole? Are we getting enough protein in our diet? And then are we getting enough of these essential nutrients that are part of that process? So there's a few steps we want to go through to make sure that our overall nutrition is adequate. And being in that injured state, whether whether it's a bone uh, injury or a soft tissue injury or like a, I don't know, the PT said I should do these things and I should be okay in a couple weeks kind of injury. Um, you know, We talked about obviously restricting calories is not what we want to do. Um, when we were in this injured state, but you did mention some small tweaks we might want to make to our nutrition when we are in a injury recovery period. What can and should a runner focus on when they're rehabbing their injury that, um, that can help them, I want to say recover faster, but recover well. Yes. And, and to support recovery. Right. And, you know, we can think about it like we use the athlete's plates, um, you know, a lot. And, and I know that you've had episodes on, on the athlete's plates and, and I use them a lot. I, I think it's such a wonderful tool for people. And we can sort of think about that same plate model, but with the foods and the nutrients that we need to optimize our recovery and our healing. And this is going to include a focus on protein. So definitely we want to be not of not limiting or avoiding or skipping protein at any of our meals. And in fact, you know, because our nutrition requirements go up when we're injured, not down, we want to ensure that we're eating often enough, right? So if we're typically someone who maybe gets up in the morning, we go for a run, we would have that balanced post-run recovery meal. Now we're not running, so we've dropped our breakfast meal, right? We're not eating that post-workout recovery meal, so now we're maybe only eating twice a day instead of three times a day. We might see that as kind of a positive thing, right? We're being careful about calories, we didn't run, so we don't need to have breakfast, and and you know, all that mindset stuff that we we discussed. 
but consistently getting in enough enough meals throughout the day is so key because we need to meet this total protein target. And if we drop a meal, then it's really hard to meet that protein goal that we have in maybe only two meals a day. Then if we're looking at these anti-inflammatory nutrients that our body requires, right? That would be uh, vitamin C, that's gonna be vitamin E, that's gonna be folate. Um, We get those from the fruits and vegetables and, and those plant foods that we eat. Dairy products are a good source of vitamin A as well. If we're missing out on those eating opportunities, then how are we gonna meet all of those goals if we're just not allowing ourselves to get in enough fuel often enough? So there still needs to be a focus when we have that that meal on protein, on those plant foods, having those grains in there as well, the grain foods for the carbohydrates, as well as the many, many vitamins and minerals that they provide. Um, But it's about not avoiding specific things or, or kind of dropping those meals. We also do want to put an emphasis as a whole on omega-3 fats for runners, both in the injury recovery space. And well, you know, it's important to get enough omega-3 fats in the injury prevention space and just the overall healthy human being space. And so here too is where we want to maybe include a source of omega-3 fats at at least one of our meals per day, or it might be something that we want to supplement if, if that means that we can be a little bit more consistent with it. And of what? course, vitamin D as well. I was say, Very why few is that? people what are do, able to get What do omega-3s do? So omega-3s are part of the injury recovery process in the fact that they are what are used to make anti-inflammatory metabolites. So the longer healing process that we see in our muscles, omega-3s are part of a lot of that muscle healing that takes place. So of course, when we get injured, we have that initial like inflammation stage that happens. And that's like really important for kind of kickstarting those recovery processes and kickstarting that recovery. But the longer term healing, a lot of that is including those omega-3 metabolites. That's so cool. See, this is so cool, right? That like, you know, I think we don't really think about this stuff, that how complicated and complex these processes are. It's not just about make sure you drink a protein shake so you can repair your muscles. It's like, no, there is way more that goes on (laughs) than than just that. Exactly. And I think that's the beauty of, you know, having sort of a food first approach to our nutrition is that when we start to think about what foods can I eat to give me these benefits or to give me these nutrients that I need, what, what people will find and what we'll see is that there's a lot of, you know, double or triple duty that can happen here with the benefits of certain foods. So rather than drinking a protein shake that is just protein and, you know, nothing else, now we need to supplement with all of these different vitamins and minerals in order to meet our needs. Instead, if we were to eat like a balanced meal that included food sources of protein, we'd actually be getting a lot more out of it. So we look at something like eating salmon, right? Great source of protein, but also really good source of omega-3 fats. So if we're eating these foods consistently, our needs for supplements go down considerably because we're meeting our needs already, as well as getting in the calories and the macronutrients that our bodies require. I want to draw the attention back to saying that you, the situation that you outlined is that, for example, a runner is injured, they're no longer running, they're, basically their schedules change, right? Their daily routine has changed in either the short or the medium term, whatever we're dealing with the injury. And I think a lot of this episode we talked about 
kind of the more overt intentional choices and thoughts that we have like, oh, you know, actively trying to restrict calories that's like, that's a no, no, we need to explore that. We need to shift away from that. Right. But there are so many situations and runners that I work with where a lot of these, a lot of these are completely unintentional, right? Like, I don't think we realize how wedded we are to a specific schedule until we're out of that schedule. And then you're right. We're not eating a meal. And then we we don't even, it's not intentional. We're not intentionally trying to restrict calories or to limit this or to limit that. Um, it's just, it's just kind of how the day shook out. And like, you know, when you work a busy job and, um, you know, and you're on your feet, whatever it is for eight hours, you don't really have time for a meal. And you're like, yeah, I don't, you know, really time to eat. And then you haven't eaten in 10 hours because of your commute. And then, and then you're starving. Like it's all these things that cascade, but nobody ever say, oh, that person is intentionally restricting calories. It's just something where in their day, they're just the, the opportunities aren't there to eat enough. Absolutely. And, you know, to add on to that, you also may not feel as hungry, right? If we're not, you know, if we're waking up in the morning and we're getting our workout in kind of first thing, then we've, you know, sort of worked up that appetite or or our bodies are ready to eat. But if instead we're sleeping for a little bit longer, it takes our body a little bit longer to wake up and maybe want food, then rather than our hunger kicking in at 8am when we finished our workout and we have time either on our way to work or before work to eat something. Now, maybe our hunger isn't kicking in until 1030 in the morning. We're in the middle of the workday. We're just going to wait till lunch, but we've dropped that meal. We've dropped that eating opportunity. And that can really, you know, of course, delay our healing, delay our recovery, and also make it a lot harder to just be, you know, checking off all of these nutrition boxes that we so badly need to. I used to think, so this is my experience, and I, I, I've i had a conversation with somebody recently who had this exact same experience, so I think it's interesting. Um, back before I became a runner, but when I was like, you know, doing weird stuff for weight loss, um, <laughs> I, you know, used to subsist on black coffee in the morning and yada, yada, but I, I noticed that on days where I ate breakfast, I was hungrier throughout the day. So in, in my mind, the solution was to stop eating breakfast. So that I could, I could not feel as hungry later on. Like obviously it was probably like vastly under eating just in general. My body was like, oh, thank God food. <laughs> yes, we're more pleased. We're still hungry. Um, but that, that for so many runners and for so many, I think people, this sensation of hunger is one that we actively try to avoid and like squash down and being hungry is a bad thing. Like, oh God, I'm hungry. Oh, you know, mm, hunger is good. Hunger is telling you something. Yeah. And, and I think that that, that specific scenario that you mentioned is so common. I mean, I hear that from people all the time. They don't like waking up and eating breakfast in the morning because then they're hungry two hours later. And of course, you know, the solution is to maybe have a more robust balanced breakfast that, that keeps you full for longer than, than just a couple of hours. Maybe we do need to add something to that protein shake that you're drinking on its own. Um, but Yes. And, and that really is such an important part of the conversation we need to have around our relationship with food and with exercise, because if we're always seeing hunger as this thing that we have to battle or seeing hunger as something that we have to, uh, you know, avoid or navigate or, or figure out some kind of workaround to, to not feel hungry. I mean, the solution is to just eat. The solution for hunger is eating. And what we really want to do is strengthen that connection in our brain between feeling hungry 
and giving our body some nutrition. Because if we can strengthen that connection and have a really reliable um, pathway of hunger and fueling, that really allows us to have a more consistent eating schedule, a more consistent appetite, a more reliable appetite signal. And it can help us to avoid eating when we actually aren't very hungry. You know, eating a lot of calories at the end of the day, going kind of overboard and, you know, maybe even getting into the realm of binge eating later in the day when we're not hungry, but we're still eating because our brain is still kind of starved for nutrition and and starved for nutrients. So if we can answer that call of hunger with food when we feel it, it makes it so much easier to not have this drive to eat at other times of day when, you know, we have the opportunity, you know, the cupboard or the fridge is sitting right there. But that really is speaking to this relationship with food and and with exercise that so many people struggle with, where we're always trying to not eat. We're always trying to eat less, move more. And we're always trying to burn as many calories as possible and eat as few calories as possible. And unfortunately, in the long run for the vast, vast majority of people, this will not work out in the end. This will not end in, in happiness or reaching our goals. It keeps us really frustrated and really, really stuck. And for runners who are, whether explicitly or implicitly changing body composition goals, first of all, listen to the body composition episode that Stephanie did last year. <laughs> um, but that I think it's a very... being injured is a very delicate time for any runner just from an emotional standpoint from mental health standpoint but also from a standpoint of like maybe the things that you were trying to do are incompatible with long-term health and longevity Um, because so often we talked about this on other podcasts like your body is going to try its best to support you in the way that it can until it can't anymore and that if we are in this place of I am now injured and examining maybe some things that, you know, are my nutrition, you know, is my nutrition following best practice right now? Maybe not. Okay. What, what, what has changed? What do I need to work on that being in a place of, I am now injured. I no longer want to be injured, but the person who, (laughs) who's helping me become uninjured is telling me that I need to eat more. But if I eat more, I'm going to gain weight or my, or my body isn't going to lose weight or I'm not going to look the way that I want to look. And so like this, it's like a Pandora's box of what does it mean? What are your goals? What are you really chasing here? What's really important? Is it, is it performance? Is it health? Is it longevity or is it weight loss? And for some people to be told that those things might not be compatible and might not be compatible in the way that they're currently chasing them is like a really tough conversation and realization to have. It is. And and I would imagine that there are probably a lot of runners out there who are, you know, maybe actively not seeking help for certain things with their running, whether it's, it's with their nutrition or with an injury or with working with a coach because they are afraid or apprehensive of what they're going to be told. You know, they, they don't want to be given the news that they need to stop, right? You know, you hear it all the time. Oh, I don't want to go see my physio because they're going to tell me I need to stop running. So I'm just going to not go to go see my physio because I don't want to get that bad news. And there's probably a lot of that happening with runners who, you know, do have a lot of fear around the goals that they have in their mind, maybe on some level understanding that they're going to, that something's got to give here, right? Something, something's not working. Something's not clicking and being afraid of what, what that might look like. 
And I think the the good thing is it can be so freeing. Like it's not an easy transition to make in terms of healing that relationship with food and healing that relationship with exercise to get to a more balanced place because we don't get to those spaces for no good reason, right? People don't get into this kind of um, difficult relationship with running or or difficult relationship with food um, just at the drop of a hat, right? There are things that have happened. There are ways that we are coping with stress in our lives. and, And there are things that are going on that are kind of pushing us towards that space. And it often does require a look at our mental health and a look at how we're coping and a look at stress and sometimes reaching out to a mental health professional and working with someone like a therapist or, you know, someone who works in that space outside of, of just the, the day-to-day nutrition and the day-to-day rehab, you know, we need someone to really be, um, helping us work through those processes because if we try to, you know, unleash that Pandora's box on its own, Um, sometimes it gets worse before it gets better. And so I don't want that to stop anybody from making a change. I I certainly don't want that to make anyone, you know, decide to not reach out for help and, and to not kind of work on some of these issues. We can always kind of reach that other side, but it, it can sometimes come with a lot of unpacking and, and come with a lot of work that needs to be done, not only on our physical health to kind of heal our physical bodies and to get us stronger and performing better and, and all of that, but also looking at the mental aspect in those relationships that we have. And I said this on another episode, it's, you know, running is really about teaching you how to, how to just kind of live. <laughs> it's really like life skills, <laughs> right? So, you know, the, the stuff that I've learned as a runner and as a coach, it's like, I learned how to, I learned how to sleep and I learned how to eat and I learned how to move in a way that respects my body. And like, yes, I still run marathons. Like that's like this, you know, I also do these things and I have these very specific goals, but that, you know, this is no longer about how skinny can I get? How fast can I get? It's about what can I do to just feel good, right? It's not to say that the training isn't challenging. It's not to say that you aren't going to have days that kind of suck. That's just the nature of the sport, but that in general, you know, the things that you're tearing your hair out over a gain or loss of two pounds over the weekend, you know, like, uh Oh, like my jeans don't fit anymore. Time to cut calories. It's like exploring this from a, from a place of like curiosity and, you know, is this what's best for my body or is this something that I, a weird holdover from what I think I should be doing. And maybe as, as I'm getting older, it's become like, I'm giving fewer f- like in my thirties. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's so nice to be in this place where I'm not like, you know, it's not about being obsessed with what you look like and getting faster at all costs, right? I'm never going to win a marathon. I'm never going to podium at a major. This is not where my money comes from, right? It's about being a happy, healthy person. Like we said at the beginning of the episode. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think when we can kind of go on that journey, it makes it so much easier to give our bodies the things that it needs and and take sort of the the comparison or the um uh, you know, the vanity or, or the weight or the number on the scale, we can remove that from the equation. This whole other world opens up. Like there's, it's sort of like we go through this door and there's this whole world ahead of us that we can do so many more things. We can live our lives in such a freeing sort of way when we can just get out of that, 
you know, weight loss at all costs or achieving a certain size at all costs, and we can shift our focus. It's amazing what we can do mentally and physically with that space and, and with that extra energy. Something I actually, I wanted to ask you about, this is a really interesting barrier, um, that I have heard recently from a couple people and I'm like, Oh, interesting. Like, I don't know. This is just like recency bias. Like everybody's saying this, you know, but that (laughs) in, you know, talking with runners who are either working with dietitians or kind of just presenting them with like, this is the athlete's plate. You know, this is kind of what we're looking for. Um, athletes I work with one-on-one and I'm staying in my lane as a run coach, although I, you know, try to push them in the right direction for some certain information (laughs) that the, uh, something I hear, and I'm sure you, if I hear this, your dietitian, you must hear this all the time. Is that an acknowledgement that I, the athlete, oh, I don't think I'm eating enough. However, the amount that it seems like I should be eating is like an insurmountable amount of food. Like, I don't understand how I could possibly eat that much food in a day. Is this something that you hear a lot from athletes? All the time. And I think it's so funny because I have no problem eating that much food. So I don't know like what other people are doing. What do you mean? Like I could probably eat more if I needed to. I know that carb loading is amazing. I don't think that would be an issue. Yeah. Um, No, I do. And, And I think, again, it comes down to people's, you know, prolonged traumatic history with low calorie diets, uh, low calorie eating programs and doing a lot of different diets and, and, you know, apps and, and all this other stuff that are not built for runners. And so when we are so accustomed to seeing the amount of food that you can eat on this specific program, you know, we've got these little portion sized containers that you are allowed to have this many of this color coded container per day. Um, people sort of think that that is a reasonable amount of food for a active female who wants to lose weight. And when we start to say, well, no, actually that is half of the food. I want you eating that much food before noon today. That is just this mental adjustment. And what's also really interesting is that when someone is in a state of low energy availability, when they are under fueling, digestive issues can be a major symptom of not eating enough. And so we do see slower gastric emptying. So the stomach does not empty as quickly as it, as it could, or as it should, we can see more constipation issues, more gas, more bloating, more discomfort after meals. And so, you know, it definitely is a mental shift in terms of, oh, wait, I have to eat this much. That feels like something that's going to make me gain weight, even though that's not what we're worried about and, and it probably won't. And it's all good. But also, you know, understanding that sometimes there are actual GI symptoms that are taking place because of the underfueling, but fixing the underfueling will help speed up our digestion and help optimize our digestive quality. So again, rather than it being about maybe, you know, people kind of go down the rabbit hole of now I'm cutting out all these different foods, thinking that something is triggering these GI symptoms that I'm having. So I'm eating fewer and fewer varieties of foods and having to remove all this stuff because I'm concerned about that causing my symptoms or contributing to my symptoms. Again, instead, it's make sure that we're eating enough, then see what happens with our digestion, with the quality of our our digestion and all of these symptoms. Then, yeah, maybe there is, is, you know, some room to maybe look at certain things that don't sit as well with us. And we're all individuals in that respect. But if we're in a state of low energy availability, no amount of restriction or cutting out this food or that food is going to resolve the symptoms that we're having. So 
for somebody who's listening, I know this is like at the end of our episode, kind of like a giant loaded question. But if you can provide some like super basic, like here's what you might want to look out for without going into calorie counts or macronutrient splits or, you know, even the athlete's plate, because there's a whole episode on the athlete's plate from last season. How can somebody think to themselves, how do I know if I'm eating enough? Yeah. So the main things that I would want to be looking out for would be, um, are you performing well? So we have to be looking at like the performance indicators first and foremost, because if someone, you know, for, for example, reaches out to me and is interested in working with me, um, but they are performing great. They're, they're getting good results. They're consistently getting faster. They're getting stronger. They have good energy. They're sleeping well. They have no, you know, symptoms or, or anything like nothing, nothing's wrong here. <laughs> That's a pretty good indication that your nutrition is probably on the right track. I'm happy to take a look at it and just make sure, you know, maybe there's always, there's always room for, for maybe some small improvements or some small tweaks, but you know, if you have a concern with your health, with your running performance, with your energy levels, with things like GI symptoms, you know, if there's something wrong, I think it's always worthwhile to look at your nutrition because there may be even something very simple like a vitamin deficiency, whether that's vitamin D or whether that's iron or whether that's B12, um, you know, there's, there's often something there that we can look at. And so, you know, then to say, okay, maybe there's something here that we need to kind of dig into a little bit further. You know, of course, if we're getting injured consistently, then I would definitely be going, you know, having a once over doing, doing that comb through of what's happening with our nutrition. Um, if we are never feeling hungry, then that is a surprising red flag that I think a lot of people, um, don't really think about is that if we are never, ever feeling hungry, if our appetite signals from our brain are so stifled that we can go until, you know, four, five, seven o'clock before we're having anything to eat throughout the day, very good sign that you're not meeting your nutrition needs because no one on, on this planet is meeting their nutrition, their total nutrition goals for the day and only one meal per day. Or if you're always hungry, right? So the opposite side of that, if you are always hungry. You never feel full. You feel like you could just eat and eat and eat all day long and you never fill up. That's also a sign that maybe you do just simply need more fuel because we've been trained to think of these low calorie diets and all those, you know, popular programs that, that have come and gone throughout the years as being the standard for what a person should need. When we want to eat more than that, we feel like there's a problem and we allow ourselves to only eat that little tiny quantity. And if we want more, then we feel like there's a problem, but it's often a problem of just, no, we need to be fueling more. And of course, if you're hitting the wall on your runs, if your training quality um, really sucks and, and you're not making improvements with your training quality, or if with your things like your strength training, you know, you've been lifting the same weights for years and you, you haven't been able to go up in, in strength or in weights, like you're just, you're not building muscle, you're not seeing that performance. Um, then, then those would be some things to look out for. So I think I sort of answered that on both ends. How do I know if I am eating enough? And then how do I know if I'm not? <laughs> so and obviously, so I brought it all together there. The thread of this context is like nutrition and injury prevention, injury recovery. Like, yes, obviously, if you are if you have experienced repeated injuries, just kind of like you feel like you're always injured and you're 
you've checked with a coach, like maybe you're working with a coach and you feel like your training intensity distribution is appropriate and you're still getting injured all the time and you have not yet looked at your nutrition, that is a really good place to start. And I, I mean, I've said this in a couple episodes and I'll say it again. Um, most people, I love working with my athletes. I really do. If you guys are looking for a one-on-one coach, we've got coaches on our team. We'd love to have you. However, your nutrition is probably something that is good to be focused on, good to have focused on before you start working with a coach one-on-one. Because if we are working with athletes from a coaching standpoint, right, we're not dietitians. that's what Steph is, not me, and we are providing you with training and you are not eating enough to support the training that you're doing, like you're not going to see the results that you want as a runner, right? So before even investing in that one-on-one coaching or thinking about, do I need a coach and maybe nutrition, nutrition tune-up, um, good coaching can only, good training can only take you so far. Because if you're not eating enough to support the training that you're being asked to do, you're not going to get to where you want to go. Exactly. And, you know, going back to what we talked about at the top of the episode with that sort of cyclical um, pattern of looking at the nutrition, the training and the recovery kind of all together, the, the training and having that expert guidance on the training is really helpful and really valuable. But if the other pieces aren't there, you know, all, all the wheels kind of uh, fall off of, of everything. So it's so important to be thinking about all of those aspects if you want to take on bigger running challenges. Uh, you know, if you really want to see like, what can I do? Can I run a marathon? Can I run a faster half marathon? Like, can I get into ultras? We need to be thinking about all these components consistently, not just when we get hurt, but consistently. The very last thing I want to ask you about is the normalization of feeling bad. Because you mentioned, because I asked you, how do you know if you're eating enough? And you listed all these things like you're feeling good in your training, you know, you're progressing, you're sleeping well, like all these things. And here's how to know if you're not, you know, you're not eating enough and you're, you feel kind of bad all the time. Um, is that there are so many people who basically normalize feeling like crap 24 seven. And to them that is normal. So if you ask them how they're doing this, they're like, I actually think I'm doing pretty well. And then when you dig a little bit deeper and kind of explore some more, you're like, you are not doing well. <laughs> um, what, how do you deal with that when you, you know, are there other, other markers or kind of more objective things we could be looking at? Like, do I actually think I'm doing well? Or like, maybe I've just tricked myself into thinking everything's okay. Since I've been in this place for so long, it feels normal. Yeah. And that's such a great point to bring up because I do say that a lot, um, as well, that I think sometimes people just don't realize what feeling good actually feels like, you know, they, they can be so kind of down that rabbit hole of that chronic stress, that perpetual exhaustion, and they don't even realize that there's, there's this whole world of like feeling good and, and having good energy levels. And, um, you know, you're, we're, we're both in our thirties and, and I don't know if you ever see, like there's lots of memes and, and TikToks and, and stuff like that out there that will be about like, oh, you're getting into your thirties and you have back pain now. And it, it's like, it's very funny and, and relatable for so many people, but like, you don't need to have back pain in your thirties. Like there's so many things that people aren't doing that they could be with their nutrition, with their strength, with their day-to-day lifestyle habits that it's amazing the things that we can accomplish when we're giving ourselves the energy, the nutrition, the vitamins and minerals, the sleep that we need to be a very optimally functioning person. And I, I don't mean that to say that we need to have these 
perfect lifestyles or, or, you know, be somebody who like can't have any fun because we've got to get 10 hours of sleep every night. And, you know, we're, we're not trying to be very like robotic or militant about it, but I think we get so used to, um, you know, just having that, you know, the fatigue and, and that little bit of soreness and, and maybe some chronic injuries that just become so part and parcel of our daily lives that you're hundred percent right. People don't realize that there's, there's more to it. Running doesn't have to suck. You know, we don't have to hate every minute of running or take 20 or 30 minutes just to feel warmed up. Always have to be dragging ourselves through the last couple miles of every long run. And once people get a little taste of what that feels like, what that performance benefit, that boosting benefit of good nutrition or hydration feels like, it's such an easy sell. Like, you know, people right away, they're like, wow, I didn't know that it was possible. I didn't know what my body could do and how good it could feel. And so I think you just need to maybe trust and, and just, you know, give, give yourself the opportunity to, to try it out. And I see that too when I talk to my runners about, you know, making sure they're feeling adequate in their long runs, especially for marathon training, you know, and they'll, they'll finish 15, 16, 17 mile runs and hit, you know, their hourly carb targets and hit their hydration targets and hit their electrolytes and be like, oh my God, that felt so good. Like the whole time I felt good the whole time, you know, in previous cycles, like I was walking by mile four, like my heart rate was sky high. And I'm like, you know, this, this is what, this is what nutrition does for you. Like, this is actually how awesome it can be. <laughs> yes. Running doesn't have to suck. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Steph, thank you so much for being here today. I know we always have such good conversations. Um, for people who have My not pleasure. yet found you, tell us where to find you and where we can listen to your brand new podcast. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So I'm very excited about it. Um, so yes, I have launched my very own podcast and, uh, looking forward to having Elizabeth as a guest very soon to, uh, to come and pay her dues over on mine. And uh, it's called fuel run recover. And so this podcast is, you know, just for the everyday runner who wants to learn more about the fueling strategies, the training strategies, the recovery strategies to just really optimize their performance. And uh, of course, I love to spend most of my time on social media over on Instagram, and that is at Steph, the runner's dietitian. Well, I look forward to uh, coming on your show and <laughs> being on the other end of the microphone, so to speak. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Don't forget, you can always find and follow me on Instagram at Running Explained. And if you're looking for a coach or a training plan, check me out. Visit my website, runningexplained.co. That's runningexplained.co. See you next time. This content is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with any questions you have regarding a medical condition.